Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our overgloves together for Tooth Life Irene and Katrina the Wine Genist. Welcome back to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast, peeps. Hello, my little ginger Hello. snap you. Hello. Hi. How Hi. are you, you sweet, beautiful muffin? Your hair you. looks fabulous today. What did you do Thanks. to it? I well, Really nothing, but people have been saying that a lot lately. That are you using a like, different conditioner? It looks very like not. bonded. I know. I'm not at all. Like I'm doing all the same things. Are I have you? no idea. Oh, okay. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know. Oh, it looks fabulous. Thank you. In comparison, oh. in comparison to my hot yeah, I didn't just walk hair. out of the operatory. That's probably why. I did. I, did. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. I just, I make it look messier than it is, but I was yeah. wearing a scrub cap for the last four hours. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it feels so good to scratch your scalp. I know. After a long, long appointment. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. But Hey, which speaking of, I am um, living my best life. Thanks for asking. I love that you're living your best life. I, I got to wear a tooth life scrub cap you this did. week I in the operatory. It. it was so did exciting. Did your little melon? Cause I know you have a small head. So kind of, yeah, it, it did. It was great. It was great. Yay. I loved it. I'm happy yeah. to hear that. Oh my gosh. They're so cute. Irene, like all the different colors and stuff doing, I keep forgetting that I have more colors in my hamper to mm. wear than have been released on the website. So I keep wearing like a cute yellow one or like an orange one. And people are like, oh my God, I didn't see that one. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I yeah. actually haven't started selling those yet. I was, uh, that's what I was doing today. What did you do today? I did a lot today. We'll talk about what I did today, but what did you do today? Yeah. So, well, I, I just hopped off. I was doing a program for the Long Island Dental Hygienist Association. Okay. So I was like on the mic with them all day today. Yesterday I was on the mic all day with them. Seattle study club. Their mm. symposium was this weekend. Cool. So I was on the, and in fact, you know, so Seattle study club is kind of interesting because you know, they're, it's the symposium is normally in person. And so they're, they're moved, you know, moving to a virtual piece, but they still want it to feel like everybody's there and kind of inclusive right. and it's networking and this and that. So it's kind of cool. They had like a live band performing last night. No so like, you just like logged in and watch that. They had a master sommelier talk about like ordering wine oh, cool. um, for a table and stuff. So they had these like cool, like activities to do Smart. that you could like go in and do and stuff, which was, I think really fun. Yeah. So um, it was a really nice way to just kind of like decompress after doing programs all day. So well, yeah, cool. programs yesterday, programs today, um, getting ready to zippity doodah out of town, um, for several days. So yeah, just cool. Yeah. Is the Seattle study club symposium always at the same time as Yankee? Cause I spoke yesterday. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's typically the same weekend. I think that sucks. Yeah. For the rest of the world. Sure does. Um, how was your Yankee program? Was it amazing? It's good. We had like, did you kill it? I, yeah, I, I had 300. I wrote the paper down and I don't know where it was. It was 340 something people registered for my course. And at one point when I looked at the, like, it was on zoom. So you can see like how many yeah. participants there were like yeah. 290 people that were get it were in there, which I thought was really cool. I don't, awesome. uh, I don't know if I've ever had, I did actually, I did a Viva learning thing and there were like, I don't know, two or 3000 people that logged into that one, but Viva learning is more of like an international thing. Whereas mm -hmm. Yankees, a more North American thing, I think. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that was pretty cool. Lots of cool questions from the peeps and don't you love it when people like take a screenshot of them watching your presentation <gasps> I and know, then share it? And then they tag you. I know that's my I favorite that. thing that people do. I know it that is. brings me so if you, much joy. If you were listening to this and yes. you ever watched someone's presentation, if you yes. want to bring joy to their life, uh-huh. just take a screenshot of it and tag them on Instagram. And they immediately will be so overjoyed. Like you will fill their hearts, their little tiny, technically speaking hearts with joy. So that would, that seriously, I love that when people do that, it it humanizes it. It makes it feel like you're like actually talking to people on the other side. I know. Agreed. Agreed. I like it. (sighs) So what did you do today? Irene? Sunday. We're recording this on Sunday. Sunday. And, um, I'm at the office. So I work, I work uh, every other Saturday and Sunday, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is, is cool. And uh, on Sundays, I kind of reserve it for like a, like a one case all day long sort of thing. So like a person that doesn't want to do multiple SRP sessions and they're like totally cool with having their mouth open for four hours. So this was supposed to be, it turned into a four hour SRP from what was supposed to be scheduled for two hours. So I was going to do two Uh, hours and then schedule back for the left side for two hours. And the patient was just so cool. Like no local anesthetic, so chill, Mm. uh, headphones in listening to, I like gave him my cell phone and my Spotify to listen to whatever. Cause you know, it's loud with the suction and I use an HVE 99.9% of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and with the suction and the Cabtron and the Probujetting and all of this stuff. So it's loud. So yeah, so it just, I had a three-year-old patient that was supposed to come in afterwards. So I have two ops. So mm-hmm. I basically told the guy, I'm like, I can finish your hygiene today, your SRP, if you're okay with taking a 30-minute break at the end. And then I'm mm-hmm. going to go pop over there and see this little three-year-old and then I'll come back and we'll finish. So we did that. So we did two hours and I popped cool. over, I did a pedo, read a book, played a game, did my magic trick. And then got to put my SRP hat back on. What's your magic trick? Oh, I turn my thumbs into lights. Um, so I have like these these thumbs that fit underneath my dental glove. So when you touch your oh. index finger and your thumb, they light up. Oh, so that's I have, cool. So, so I have a star machine and the star mm-hmm. machine shows the stars in the sky and there's some red stars. So I tell the little person to like imagine the red stars and then I pull the red stars out of their ears and like we throw we play like a game where we like throw them back and forth to each other and like yeah and then we we make fire too so I get the little guy or girl to like rub their hands together so they feel the heat and then they like do this like they like push the heat towards me and I catch oh, it with my thumb. It's, it's kind of cute. Yeah, there it is. And then, so I did oh. that. We did some tricks and magic tricks and then I went back to like SRPing and I recorded the whole thing. I recorded okay. four hours so of cool. content. So, I, I mean, and that's, that's obviously it's good stuff for like A, the patient to see, B, like yeah. obviously just like great to have patient that content. was obsessed with it. He was like, yeah, can I, I would can be I too. See? I'd like, I want to see that. Yeah. He's like, can I see? So I showed yeah. him and yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was, um, it was, it was interesting. And I've been getting a lot of requests from people on social media about like cavitroning and profigetting yeah. and the use. Well, do you, do you get people that ask, like, I can't believe you're using it yeah. because there, yeah. So I, I get the same question too. And, right. I, and I, I acknowledge that there are some states or some practices where they're not doing, do you know that? I mean, yeah. they're still, they're not doing any aerosol oh, yeah. generate, like they're not. Polishing, but that's, they're that's not. because they're not prepared. 
no offense, no offense if that's one of your offices. Um, but I get these messages from hygienists that are like so upset because their doctors are like refusing to enclose their operatories or like refusing to get them N95s, refusing mm-hmm. to like have enough gowns to go around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're stuck in this position where it's like, well, I physically can't use these items because I don't, I'm not prepared. Like I don't have the preparatory amount of PPE or operatory preparation, mm-hmm. um, which makes me sad. Like it makes me really sad. I had someone last week that told me that they were going to quit their office this week if their room didn't get closed up because wow. they've we've been working since March of last year. Oh, wait, March we closed. March, April, May. May, June-ish, people started to reopen for hygiene. Mm-hmm. And if your room wasn't mm-hmm. closed, then you can't generate aerosols here in the province of Ontario, by the way. So, hmm. yeah, like I, someone said – like my hands are falling off. Like I can't do this. I need my doctor to like step yeah. up and close up my room and like save my life a little bit. Here in the United States, it's, we don't necessarily need to have a, an enclosed room. Like that is not a part. I know that your college has like different yeah, know, requirements. Yeah. Everyone's we, college is different. That's yeah, just and- my college here in Ontario that says that. I'm not familiar with what all of the other colleges are saying because I can't keep up with like the guidelines constantly changing. Yeah. Well, here in the United States, it's not necessarily like you have to have these things. It's, I think for a lot of hygienists, it's a comfortability. Um, So at this point, most of our requirements are in alignment with high volume evacuation and having appropriate PPE. Mm -hmm. And I think this just goes back to a lot of the things like can you believe it, Irene? It's almost been a full year since like all of this has happened, right? Like it's like, I mean, it feels like it's it been has forever, been a but, full year, but the thing is like, we knew that coronavirus had hit the United States and we still, and that, that case came in, in like mid January right. and we continued treating patients until mid March. And we didn't know anything right. about this virus and we didn't know about, you know, spread and things like that. Then we shut down and it was like a pendulum. We kind of swung to the other side. Right. And then we had to do a lot of research to really know like how safe are we in being able to deliver care to patients and aerosol procedures? What does that mean? And you know, X, Y, and Z. So here we are now in a situation where we've seen the research uh, right now, the current statistic is like less than 1% of dental professionals have experienced COVID. Right. And that, and the 1% didn't contract it from exactly we, or we share it amongst the offices. Like there have been very few cases of that. It's like someone did something on the weekend and they came back. And that, exactly. That was where the COVID came from. Exactly. So you have to look at, well, it seems like the layered approach that we're doing when it comes to treating patients is working. And, you know, I, I just like you, I'm in a practice where I am using, you know, air polishing, rubber cup polishing, ultrasonics, like I'm using them routinely in my right. practice as I know you are. And I just, it's, it's kind of interesting because I know a lot of people are asking like, wow, like I can't believe that you're back to using these things. What are your thoughts on that, Irene? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to make a statement right now. Do it, sis. I, I personally, me, myself and Irene, me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> is that, isn't that a movie, by the way? Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, I personally, me, myself, and Irene would not be providing dental hygiene therapy to patients if I could not generate aerosols. Like I would close my, I would close my office down. Okay. Because I, I, I'm I, in alignment I, with that, but why? I I'm, just, I'm yeah. totally in alignment. 
Yeah. And I think it's a personal preference of how, okay. So we're, we're, we in dentistry are all about making treatment modifications, right? We mm-hmm. make treatment modifications for someone that has a systemic health issue. If they're on certain types of medications and we uh, don't use a specific type of local anesthetic. I mean, we make a lot of modifications to accommodate the patient. Um, that doesn't compromise the patient's care, right? Like the type mm-hmm. of local anesthetic that you give in the end, it, perhaps it'll get the job done. It might be a little bit more difficult. It might take a little while longer to numb. I mean, you're the local queen, I'm not. But in my mind, it's like, okay, we're making this treatment modification. We're doing less fillings in one appointment, but in the end, we're still doing all of the fillings, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like in hygiene, there really isn't a modification to treatment in the sense that if I'm no longer generating aerosols, I'm not as efficient as I should be. And I'm not getting the job done to the best of its potential or capability or my capabilities. And then what, what, you know, in our world here, we build by the unit. It's a little different on the mm-hmm. billing side, but I feel like mm-hmm. it would take four hours of me today scaling this person's teeth basically is like 12 units of scaling. 12 units is a one unit is 15 minutes of time. Um, mm-hmm. If I didn't use aerosol generating procedures today, I would have been here until next week, removing these mm-hmm. like ridiculously tenacious pieces of calculus. Mm-hmm. So my other alternative is to refer someone to another practice mm-hmm. that, I mean, hurts my heart because I worked in perio and I'm pretty damn good at SRPs mm-hmm. and seeing perio sure. patients. So I don't know. I just feel like I would rather not. I would rather not. Mm-hmm. I get that. I, I totally do. And I, I think that's the the issue is that um, can we always fall back on our hand instruments? Can we always fall back on not polishing our patient? Can right. we fall back on not using an air polisher? I, I mean, we can fall back on those things, but we've come so far in dentistry that what is the message that we're sending to our patients? Right. Um, these tools, these modalities are in alignment with paradigm shifts. And so that's that's something I talked about this morning in my program, like for a long time, do you remember in hygiene school? I think we graduated the same year. When did you graduate hygiene school? Oh, seven. Oh, seven. Yeah. Okay. So I graduated in 07 as well. So OMG, when, happy 14 year anniversary. I know. How exciting. <laughs> so, but we're old. <laughs> like we totally are. Like, I feel like I just graduated from hygiene school like last week, but it's like totally not the case. Um, but when we graduated from hygiene school, don't you remember like root planing, like scaling and everything had yeah. to be like smooth. To completion. Mm-hmm. To completion. Exactly. And it's like, oh, and then we realized that isn't actually what we should be doing. Right. Like, the bacteria in the subgingival space, like we thought that it was like firmly embedded into cementum. So we had right. to like scale and remove out the cementum, I, which is right. what still irritates me when we call it SRP because it stands for it's scaling not. and replacing. I know, I know. But it's, it's like, how crazy. better can you, can you describe it? Like quote unquote deep cleaning? Like, yeah. No, I call it non-surgical therapy, but um, but you're absolutely right. And that that's the thing, right? Like we thought that that's how it was supposed to be. And then we realized with this whole oral systemic link thing, turns out this bacteria is actually not tooth associated Associated, it's we're it's, more concerned right. about being tissue associated. And the problem is like, we don't know what we don't know. Like we're using our explorers to feel this like anatomy on the tooth, but like what is happening with this bacteria that's sticking to the gingiva and then 
you know, we have ulceration of that lining and that bacteria is entering. Right. So here's the issue using our ultrasonics. It's more than efficiency. And I, I mean, obviously like I can't even imagine the hygienists and what their hands must be like right now, their ergonomics, like all of that. I can't even imagine. But when you use an ultrasonic, remember the whole idea is this idea of cavitation. Like when you use the ultrasonic, it breaks open that cell wall of our bacteria. And, and that is what creates a multi-layered approach to attacking right. this bacteria. Right. It's not just like gross debris removal. It's how are you targeting this, you know, gram negative anaerobic bacteria? Well, to be able to target that you're introducing oxygen into the subgingivals. You know, I mean, yeah. these are the things that we need to be thinking about, but, it, and you're right. When we're not doing those things, we're providing suboptimal care to our patients. And I think it's important for us to take a step back and look at what are the things that we maybe weren't doing in dentistry before this pandemic happened a year ago, when many of us were not wearing um, scrub caps. Many of us were not changing out of our scrubs. We weren't wearing PPE, high volume evacuation, pre-procedure, whatever. Like, yes. So we weren't doing those things, but we were generating aerosols and we were totally cool with it. Now, like a pendulum, we're on the other side. I have where it's a like, prediction. We need to. What's your I prediction? Have a prediction? I have a prediction that for the majority of people that haven't been using um, ultrasonics or aerosol generating, or doing aerosol generating procedures, AGPs, when you go back to it, it's going to be this like, oh my gosh moment. And then, and then people perhaps will be open to exploring more. So I say this like, Mm, I in like pre- that prediction. In, pre- I mean. in previous practices, you would basically use like the ultrasonic tip that someone put on your tray or like whatever was handy right. at the time. Right. So like today in my SRP, I used two different kits with eight instruments in each kit. I have a like a general scaling kit, which has my regular instruments. And then I've got my um, mini and rigid kits that have basically the same instruments from the other kit, but in mini form or in like heavy duty form. And then almost every single one of my ultrasonics. So fun fact, by recording all of that stuff today, I've created a new like Tooth Life Irene series and it's going to be called, do you want to know what it's called? What is it? The Travels of the Tooth. (laughs) I can't with you. The, the so trap. basically it'll be the tooth and we're going to follow this single tooth from its entire debridement life. <gasps> so like, hello, I'm getting a bath today. At basically, basically. <laughs> so it'll be like the dirty tooth without disclosing agent and then the dirty tooth with disclosing agent and then all five tips that I inserts that I use with it. And then all of the instruments that I use to scale that one tooth. So I did this one tooth today. It was a three, seven with a missing three, six. And it took me 45 minutes to scale wait, wait, hold this on a second. Wait, one wait. damn tooth. Can you say that one more time? It was a missing three. What? There was, it's a three, seven. So lower left second molar. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Okay. All right. Lower <laughs> left second molar. Okay. <laughs> lower left second molar. Uh, it's missing the first molar. Missing the first molar. So this is a second. Okay. So yep. number 18. Okay. Number 18. Okay. okay. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Irene, I'm confused. Okay. You don't say you're in numbers in, in our world. We say quadrants. Like in Perio, don't you do quadrants? You work we in Perio. Do. Yeah, but oh, oh quad I don't three. Know, Irene. Three, three, seven. Anyways, three, seven, three, six is missing. Eight, 17 is missing. The 18 no, is no, no, like, 19 is 19 is missing. Whatever. 19 is missing. The one in front of it is missing. <laughs> The tooth is like over erupted, measly yes. drifted, and yes. lingually placed. 
Okay. So me accessing the lingual side of this tooth was a freaking nightmare. And there's a class one frication. So Mm. I'm like trying a million different directions of getting this Mm -hmm. patient's head, chin up, chin down to the left, to the right. So I was like, I'm going to create a series about this because it's taken me 40 minutes to get that goddamn piece of calculus Mm. from the base of that pocket that was like knife shaped. Um, So I, I think that this, my back to my prediction and closing this, this rant off is that once everyone starts getting back to ultrasonics, we've had this time to practice our hand scaling. Yeah. We've mastered our hand scaling because we're yeah. really being as efficient as we can with our hand scaling. We're sharpening our instruments because we now understand the value of sharp instruments when all you can do is hand scale. Mm-hmm. So once everyone starts to use their ultrasonics, my prediction will be that they will ask for every single insert and try mm. every single insert out. That's what I hope. I think happen. that's great. I think, I think we've missed, like, you're right. We just were using whatever insert was on our tray and it's like, blah, blah, blah. And we forget the fact that like, first of all, those tips may not be efficient anymore. You have to measure them. Second mm-hmm. of all, are they the right tip for the work that you're doing? <laughs> you know, like right. you wouldn't use a, an and the anterior- right technique. Correct. So I yeah. posted a video a few weeks ago about me using one of the blue inserts, mm-hmm. which are like heavier duty mm-hmm. inserts, the shape of the actual, like, uh, what is it called? Yeah. The, the, the circumference, the bit, bit, the cross section of the cross section of the ultrasonic tip is a circle. Therefore it's supposed to be used like a bobbing motion to break calculus. And I had someone mm-hmm. say, well, like you're using it wrong. I'm like, no, like that's actually what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to break calculus with it, not like, you know, scale a tooth with it. So I think this will be the time. This will be the time that everyone is like, okay, well, I'm going to get back to it and I'm going to get back to it, but I want to learn more about it because you're going to feel rusty, right? Totally. Um, pun intended, rusty instrument. <laughs> um, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think this goes back to Marianne Dreyer used to say this all the time. It's like, how much time do we spend in hygiene school learning how to use hand instruments? Like right. semesters upon semesters. Whole semester. Yeah. Versus like the ultrasonic, like how much time do we really take in school to learn how to use it? It's like, okay, just shove it in there and wiggle it around. And it's like, actually, that's, you have to really this is where I think we're missing the ability to really appreciate this technology is like, are we using it the right way? Is it, is the water flow the right way? Is the, you know, are we controlling all these things? You're right. I think we're, we're going to start to figure out, we're like, we're going to be woke to the things that we can do to make our jobs more efficient. Did you just say woke? No, you didn't. Oh my God. This is, this is where we end it. (laughs) Irene, I'm trying to be cool. Dang it. Are you trying to be woke, Katrina? <laughs> Irene, Irene, I'm just saying. You kill me. You kill me, little. I want to tell you something though. Um, I so my friend, um, my my high school friend and I, we talk like just like you and I do, like <clears throat> a million times a day, and uh, and so we and we Facetime all the time. And I just finished my program, so like you know, my hair looks like maybe that's why you're like, oh, your hair looks nice, is because oh, okay. like I actually Shower. did it. You know, yeah, I actually yep. like showered and stuff. And uh, and I have like my my business you know, shirt on, like I, you know, delivering a program yeah, shirt, yeah, yeah. but then underneath, do you want to see what I have on? Irene? Shorts. I have, they're, no, they're my pajama pants. No way. Oh my gosh. You they're me. like fleece pants. So she said, you're basically like a reverse mullet. And I was like, yeah, yeah. that's true. Like, yeah. Business up top and party on the bottom. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm loving me. it. And it made me think of, um, yesterday at Seattle I did that Study yesterday Club. too. 
Do you, and we, we all did. Yeah. So Josh Austin, um, shorts was like the I host. Saw yeah. Did you see his yeah. shorts? He's so funny. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's like literally all of us. I was, I had my yeah. dress on and then I had sweatpants on underneath. <laughs> I did the same thing. I had, I had like a blazer and a like turtleneck, a leopard turtleneck on. And I wore scrub pants because I was like between patients. Yeah. <laughs> funny how that works. I saw three patients oh, in the morning and delivered an hour and a half lecture. And then I went back and saw three more patients in the afternoon. That was see, weird. that's it. People think that like, it's we so sit glamorous. All day. We sit around no. all day waiting yeah, we, for that just lecture waiting. to start. <laughs> Stop. Okay. Are we doing that? We have an episode. Oh, deep, deep, deep. Let's you do need it. to do this one. Cause you know, I don't know anything about anything today. You, you, you were handling this episode. Okay. Wait, I'd like a song. A- Shit. Hold on. I, Irene, I'm so unprepared. Going on outside where they safe from. I feel the pain of my city wherever I go. 314 soldiers died in Iraq. 509 died in Chicago. I arrived on the big Fred Hampton died. I have no idea. Is, is, there, is, there, is there like a sentence that I'm missing? The song is called Murder to Excellence. Oh, okay. wait. Excellence. Excellence. DSO. DSO Excellence. DSO, DSO Excellence. Excellence. Yes. Oh, ding, 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 ding. okay. I, I didn't know the song. I'm not woke enough. <laughs> I know. I, I was like, that's why I was like, I don't know. Because I know she listens to Celine Dion. I don't know if she like jams out to I, Kanye. I don't. I don't. Don't. Okay. It's all good, Irene Irene. I okay, I don't, yeah. But and I figured DSO Excellence, DSO Excellence, hello, in the house, in the house, DSO. Yes, DSO Excellence. So I'm excited. Um, these women are like freaking amazing, by the way. They're like, you know how sometimes you just like connect with these hygienists that we all have this unwavering, like, this is how dentistry should be. Like why they already see into the future. And they're like, this is how we should be doing things. Like, why are we not doing these things? Why are we not doing hemoglobin A1C testing? Like, why are we not like doing vaccination? Why are we not, you know, I mean, they see that and they're like, hello. And, but also they're like doers and they like freaking pave the way to do it, which is awesome. They're in the Midwest, which I love too. Cause like, who doesn't love like fun Midwest girls and most notably they are wine lovers. So I think that they're freaking amazing. And, um, so these are the girls, Sarah and Christine from, uh, DSO hygiene excellence. They are mm-hmm. amazing. And, um, and they really have an incredible, um, incredible series of ideas on where we should be going in hygiene. So I'm super stoked for this episode. It's going to be amazing. This episode is sponsored by the incredible individuals at Dense by Serona Preventive, um, who yes, are amazing and, and are constantly trying to give us as hygienists, the platforms that we need to be able to step into excellence. So I think it only fitting that Dense yep. by Serona is sponsoring this episode because that's what they're all about, particularly into 2021 and beyond. So thank you. And particularly. particularly. And so thank you endlessly to our amazing people at Dense by Serona. You are amazing. And we're so grateful to you and all the things that you do to support us. Uh, If you're ready to get back to generating aerosols in your practice and you want to be able to do it safely, do yourself a favor, reach out to your friendly Dense by Serona sales rep and tell them that you need help getting the right pieces of equipment in your office to be safe and efficient. Or just send us a DM and we can connect you with the right Totally. Yes. Slide into our DM and we'll totally get you connected as well. We got got some hookups. Maybe we can, we can 
help you guys. I got friends I mean, I, I may or may not have just done a giveaway of a $13,000 piece of equipment. So I think, I think yeah. we might be able to help you guys out. I'm sure we got some, we can swing. Yeah. We can swing it a little bit. So please enjoy our episode with the amazing ladies of DSO Hygiene Excellence. Everybody, Excellence. we will- Excellence. We appreciate your endless support and uh, enjoy the episode. We will catch you on the flip side. On the flippity flip. (laughs) I did you. I did you better than you. I was just you. (laughs) Better than you could be you. Welcome back to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast with your favorite dental hygienicals, Tooth Life Irene Irene, and the dental wine genist, Katrina Sanders. How the heck are you today, Irene Irene? God, you could kill me. Do you want me to start again? Should I start again? No, I'm doing a really good job. I'm like, I was nervous. I just, you let me do the intro. When you call me that, it stains. I'm so (laughs) nervous. I didn't put on enough deodorant for this. I was trying to get all riled up. I got my man voice on. I'm just trying to do it. Oh, you're fabulous. You're fantastic. And I'm living my best life. So thank Thank you you for for saying that. How are you? I'm, I'm, I, right now in this moment, I have never lived a better life. This is it. Really? This is this is the I don't, I don't beacon. Know. This is the beacon of everything culminated together. Me being able to do this intro, it's been amazing. So thank you, Irene. I'm just, I, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> that is true. Uh, well, I, I wanted you to do the intro because you set up this interview, I and know. as as per usual, Katrina does this thing where she likes to know stuff about our guests before they arrive, and I like to know nothing. Like I will not look at anything or Google anything because I want this 100% meeting people for the first time kind of experience. Um, so yeah, I'm letting you lead it and I'm just going to jump in with questions. So, okay. Yeah. This is good. Thank you for doing this girlfriend. Yeah. Th- oh, thank you for letting me host it. I feel amazing. Um, and also please, I feel like a prepubescent boy with my voice. So please forgive me. Um, okay. Today we have two amazing wine sipping guests with us, which I can't wait for you guys to meet the amazing boss babes from DSO hygiene excellence the amazing Sarah Varney and Christine Deal. How are you ladies? Welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We are fantastic and we love the boss intro. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I don't know if you, you guys are like me, but like, I love it when people call me like, yes, boss lady. I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, that just like hit me all the way down in the apex of my molar. I love yeah. that. It feels good. Yeah. You know, sure. it does. That. It feels good. <laughs> yeah. So welcome to the show. Um, I, I'm so grateful to have both of you on, um, for the, the listeners of this episode, I connected with Sarah and Christine. I know we've been kind of going back and forth. We all like, how do you, how do we even connect with each other? Like LinkedIn or Insta yeah. or something. Yeah. And, you know, we sat down and we were talking and we were talking about some amazing things that you ladies have going on, which I hope we can get into later on in the program. But, uh, we were just, I don't know. Did you feel that we had this really amazing banter where it was like, we're totally in alignment and we have yeah. these really 
wild, but very like locked in ideas about where we're going in our profession. And I just, I, I knew that I had to have both of you on to sit down and meet Irene Reen, um, and, you know, and meet Lou and, you know, have a, have a conversation about where we're going in dentistry. And so welcome to the show and, and let's just dive right in, shall we? Love it. Love it. Agreed. Complete yeah. synergy, like we were old friends. Okay. Yes. Love. All right. Are Irene, you, you go first. How do you know? How do you know each other? Because you guys are sitting in the same room. Yeah. Let's like way back playbacks before. Okay. This is Irene's DSO favorite part. Hygiene. This is down. This is, this is down. my favorite part. Like, so okay, I'll, like, I'll give you yeah. the Reader's Digest. So Christine and I. Christine is a few years older than me, but she grew. We grew up maybe four blocks from each other. Did not know each other growing up. We went to the same Catholic grade school, didn't know each other. We went to the same Catholic grade school. Where is this? In Aurora. So we both grew up in Illinois. Is where? Aurora, Illinois. Mm -hmm. So we grew up four blocks from each other on Misa of Aurora. We both went to Early Good Council grade school, didn't know each other. We both went to Aurora Catholic High School. We're cheerleaders, didn't know each other. <laughs> well, we're four years apart. So four years apart. Kept, so she was right. always kept, kept pacing each other. She was always ahead of me. Yeah. So, and then um, I started working for our current employer on my 16th birthday. So I was there as a dental assistant um, when I was 16. Christine came in as a dental hygienist and told me in 92. So I had been there for six years as a biochem major, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And Christine honestly inspired me because she was awesome. She was a super cool hygienist. She was passionate. She had these great ideas. And I was like, oh, I just like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to be her. So she's like, I went to Kirkland. So I ended up applying the same hygiene school she had gone to. Yeah. Yep. And then she roomed with my best friend's future sister-in-law. <laughs> so it was just like, wow. Like, Not knowing that was going to be that. So we had these totally kindred, like, parallels in our lives um so I came I came out of hiking school and uh came back to, the came back to work I still worked every weekend and break I just was never on payroll but so we have worked in the same office together well I've been there 32 years and you've been there I took a little hiatus for a few yeah. years but, but I came you back started in, in 92 I've been uh hygienist for 28 years so yeah. You ladies wow. don't look like you're old enough to be like, oh, what are you, Doogie Hauser? What's going yeah. on? Wine. Yeah. Red wine. <laughs> wine, I'm <Well>. preserved. Pickle. <laughs> yes. yeah. Pickle, exactly. Pickle. So, right. So, we've worked together and we were super fortunate to have each other, right? Like, same thing. When we met, I think it was pretty much we were kindred spirits. Um, I left, came back, and right away it was just no hesitation. Like we wanted the same thing. We fed off each other. You know, we always say together, we're one perfect person Yes. <laughs> where I'm strong. She is maybe not in her strong suit. And when she's strong, I'm not in my strong suit. So like together, we're like this perfect symbiotic person where it's almost without conversation. Right. And like to, when we work together, we're just this one perfect mass moving forward. So we were able to, we were in private practice, we were able to lead our private practice um, through the early 90s and setting up career programs, you know, hygiene programs. We launched in the first all assisted hygiene in our, I think, in our area, probably in our state. Laser. Laser. Um, really, we felt like we've always been the cutting edge and the forefront of hygiene in our industry. Um, and we carried forward that way. We were purchased by a DSO four years ago. And uh, we keep a lot of metrics and a lot of Excel sheets and still always push the edge of clinical care and hygiene care. Okay, hold on. And hold on. You're fast forwarding to the end of the episode already. Let's slow down. Hold on. Hold, hold okay. your horse. Hold 
horses, girl. Hold your horses. Okay, because I think uh, the important part you're skipping over, and you're 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 talking about where you are now. But the 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 most important part is the hard years and the years that you worked to get to where you are today. So let's not let's give credit to to where credit is due, and let's talk about what was it like implementing systems when no other systems were in place, and how did you trust yourselves and and in one another? Was it a was it a kind of trial by fire? Well, I think um, when I came out of hygiene school, you know how it is. Can't wait to do everything. And I just got very fortunate. I want to do this. You know, let's implement this. I mean, he was pretty, very open to us establishing a program right off the bat. And you know how everything is so perfect in hygiene school. Like everything is so wrapped. Everything is so this. He was even on board with all that. And he was just like, okay. I go, no, you got to wrap that. You got to wrap the handle. You got to wrap this. You got And so we were very fortunate that way that he basically let me bring a lot of that type of thing right into our practice. And then, um, so we started a perio program. And then when Sarah came back, which I was so excited to have her come back, Sarah and I are both very competitive and it, it makes it actually really fun for us. We like, push each other towards yeah. greatness. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. We make each other better. We, we definitely do. make each other better. Yeah. And um, we call each other out. Yes. Yes. Irene and I just compete with each other. That's all. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's blood involved. Yeah. You're not kidding. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna get you, you Canadian. Yeah. I got you. Come on over. Um, but again, we we've had a very supportive leader and um, our doctor that was really open to letting us establish the best patient care hygiene in our, in our practice. I think we were lucky because uh, he really would, like we were allowed to go to so many courses a year. This was through the nineties and two thousands with a lot of courses. A lot of people out there speaking, whether we were going to uh, Deborah S. Hartley Right. Well, who are big influencers? I mean, maybe Linda Miles. Yeah, I did. I did LBI. I mean, we did a lot of um, we did a lot of a lot of coursework and yeah. continuing education. And we we had to go to him and say why we wanted to do it, but he was very open to us, saying like, we want to go to this course. We believe this is something we can bring back to our office, bring back for our patients, elevate patient care, um, to provide better outcomes. And he was as long as we had a pretty good argument, he always said yes. So it was exciting for us That's to nice. go to. Yeah, That's so we nice. go to a lot of courses yeah. and um, come back. And he gave us kind of really carte blanche to implement any ideas that we thought would be beneficial for our patients and for their practice. As long as we gave him good reasons. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that was going to be my next question. So for the, I mean, there's so many, I mean, Irene's her own boss. She's the boss, babe. And I work with amazing doctors and with an amazing association that lets, that really elevates what we do. But I know that there are a lot of hygienists that are listening to this that feel when they hear that they go, gosh, like, I don't feel that. Um, what are some pieces of advice you might give hygienists that are listening to this that, that want that? Um, and, and maybe not the piece of advice of like, peace out, but like, how, how can you yeah. step into that leadership role? Like mm-hmm. you ladies did, mm-hmm. you know, and really kind of take command and, and, and elicit that trust from their doctor. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we were lucky in that way, but I'll say there definitely were things that we wanted to do that we, I would say invest in yourself. 
you know, you're your own best advocate and you need to invest in yourself first. You need to bring your best self to the table. And sometimes it's not always going to be handed to you like the extended hand to elevate you. Definitely as a professional and a healthcare provider and a co-producer in the office and truly a co-leader in the office, you need to invest yourself. You need to elevate yourself sometimes to be at that level. I mean, Christine did that with LVI. Yeah, I went to LVI on my own. And Mm -hmm. let me tell you, no one went to LVI on their own. I was right. the oh, only yeah. hygienist there that didn't have a doctor. Yeah. Like all the other hygienists at the end, when they like give you your little certificate, I had my course instructor, one of the other hygienists I did the class with, they like stood up and gave this speech about me because I like, it went and paid all this money to do it myself. Like all of the other people, all the other hygienists that were there, you know, their doctors were paying for it. Yeah. So I think it's very important that, when you see something you want, you know, you need to, you need to invest in yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't sit back and wait for others to invest in you. You know, whether you wouldn't think twice about going back to get a bachelor's degree or to get a master's degree if you wanted that. So certainly on a clinical level and from that same perspective, you should not be afraid to invest in yourself, to elevate your skill set. And then sometimes people will recognize like, oh, wow, that's okay. I mean, don't ever step back from investing in yourself. One of my favorite quotes is, if you're not going to invest in yourself, why would somebody else invest in you? And I think that's such a powerful thing because as hygienists, when we look at, you know, having a doctor that, you know, I, I mean, I think if we could all like conceptualize what, what that perfect doctor is, right. Like you're, you're perfect. Like you're not your, you know, your life mate, but your doctor mate, like (laughs) your perfect doctor is somebody who's like, yeah, you want that order it. You know, like I, I believe you, I trust in you in front of the patients. The doctor's like, absolutely. Like that is, that is what Sarah said. And I am on board with that. I agree with that. You know, if that patient is disrespectful that to you, that the doctor's saying, you can't disrespect my staff, you need to leave. I mean, all the amazing things that obviously Irene does as a hygienical. Um, but I think it's important, you know, for us to, to have a mindset around, like, if that's what we want, we have to, we have to be the kind of hygienist that's going to attract that. And we have to be the kind of hygienist that's going to elevate that. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I respect about you two so much is that what you did was, yes, you had, you know, you worked in a situation where you did have some trust, but you were trustworthy individuals, right? Mm-hmm. Like the doctor, we've all worked in those practices. At one of the doctors that I worked with early on, um, you know, you'd have to check which anesthetic you were going to use before you anesthetize the patient, right? You'd have to go in and have, doctor, I'd, I'd like to, you know, and, and I would go in and I would say, uh, this patient has primary biliary cirrhosis. So I'd like to use articaine because articaine is metabolized in the plasma cholinesterase, which does not, you know, and I do the whole thing. Right. And then the doctor's like, mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, who does that doctor trust? I, he didn't argue with me on any, you know, and right. I think that's the piece that, that I, I respect so much about you too, is that what you're, what you've done and what you've built is this empowerment layer for hygienists to really step into that and to have the the training, you know, and confidence that they need to, to be able to do that. So, Tell us a little bit about how you really built out what it is that you, you started and how that transitioned to DSO excellence. Mm-hmm. No, wait, wait, wait. But first tell us about the sale. Um, so definitely the, um, and you're right. So we were clipping along at our just kind of normal pace. Our doctor 
you know, turned, he was probably turning, he turned 65. And I think he was thinking about exit strategy, right? So now he's 65, people, he's in a private practice. You know, we were looking for other dentists to buy our practice, but, you know, with, I think the economic collapse in 2008 and uh, what happened with some of the banking and financing, I think they, and the increased of tuition for younger doctors as they're coming out of school, the ability for them, we're at that time, we're probably a $1.5 million practice. It was hard for a younger doctor to walk in and buy a $1.5 million practice, right? They were coming out with half million dollars of student loans. Banks are weary after the economic collapse to give a young 28-year-old a $1.5 million bank loan right. <laughs> who has a half million dollars in student loans. So that was the environment that we found ourselves in economically as an office with a doctor who was looking for exit strategy. So, and we have a, a very strong patient culture, you know, and a in a company culture of high quality and care. We have a 3D scanner, we do implants, we do all on the floor. We do pair, have a strong period program. We do, we're laser certified, advanced laser certified. Um, so we were, we were hesitant about what that was gonna look like for our patients. You know, again, we've been there almost three decades. So what does the future look like for our patients and patient care and for our staff and our family on both sides as patients and team? And so Dr. Palmer, you know, we're so lucky as he evaluated his options, um, he came across the DSO we work for now, Decision One Dental Partners. And they really are, um, in essence, a decentralized DSO. So when they came into our office, um, they explained it really like a lens. So what, how I explained it was anything that touches your patients should never look different to your patient. So your name stays the same. What you guys do clinically stays the same. The doctor has autonomy in the space as far as what you guys do, products, um, procedures, hiring, firing. That's all going to be your doctor. You know, and he said, you guys are successful because you figured out in your community how to be successful. And we don't buy failing offices. <laughs> we buy successful offices and just support you on the back end, right? So on the, on the other side of the lens, things that don't touch the patient, they're able to scale, right? So it's like economies of scale. So whether that's um, negotiating with uh, supplies, for supplies, for insurance rates, for our medical, you know, we all kept our pay, we kept our seniority, all our benefits are improved. So for us, it was a good transition, but our concern and our trepidation was, of course, how does patient care change? You know, now we have a DSO buying us, and I think DSOs historically have a, a bit of a bad rap. <laughs> Whether you're corporate dentistry and DSOs, you know, all, all the misnomers around DSOs. And I, I was probably the vocal one that said, you know, I'm fine with you guys purchasing us, but if anything changes as far as patient care, you know, I'm out. Like I won't compromise the quality of care for our patients. I won't compromise what we've always done for them. And if that changes, uh, I'll be the first person to leave. <laughs> like no, no holds barred. I'm out. Like uh, drop my drop the mic. I'm out. Like in one day. <laughs> <laughs> and that definitely was not. I mean, it's been a great experience. And us. it did not happen at yeah. all. Yeah. We really have a great team. Yeah, we said on some of you know we said to some people in hindsight looking at it, you know, in a private practice as a hygienist. If you're engaged and committed, you're kind of wearing a lot of hats, right? So you are the clinician, you are maybe doing some ordering, you might be doing some social media stuff, you might be in charge of what's happening on some of the Facebook sites, you're doing some marketing, you might be going to some events, you're having input into all those things. Um, and I think in a high quality practice, I think high level hygienists are involved at that level. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the pluses for us, it was kind of a, 
an unforeseen was that being part of a DSO where they they're supporting all those things. We don't have to worry about marketing, the Facebook posts, the ordering <laughs> that they have a whole team for that. And really, we really get a focus on patient care. Um, but we were in our DSO for maybe a year or so, and they knew we were keeping the metrics. That's why we have all these Excel sheets. And I was sending them forward to our what CEO. Kind, like what kind of metrics? What types of things oh, were you probably keeping? probably 50 things. And why? Right. So probably, I think it was in 2008, I did Rachel Wall's um, proper period program and became inspired hygiene member with Rachel Wall. So that was probably the first time that we really kept keeping metrics. Um, her program has a spreadsheet that they offer you to fill out. And I think over the years, the doctor and I have added some things. He wanted to other things track. I added some things that I thought they were important. So I think it's flushed out to maybe 35 to 40 metrics that are capped um, monthly. And then there are month-to-month comparison, quarter-to-quarter comparison, and annual comparison. But everything from just uh, hours work to chair site hours you know, available, obviously production, um, but number of new patients, open time, I track attrition rates so we can see how marketing blitz are working for retaining patients. Obviously for keeping people in the recall, for reactivating patients, um, reappointing patients, mm-hmm. and then all the procedures, right? So um, SRPs, pre maintenance, profies, fluoride. adult fluoride, laser therapy, um, I mean, and, and I think you, we do that because you can't improve what you don't measure. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have, if you don't have metrics, I mean, it's not, it's not just, a, I, I guess I always think it's funny when people say it's like, oh, it's about the numbers. It's not really about the numbers. It's, it's about how you can see where you can improve in patient care. And numbers are just numbers. For me, it was a lot of, are we running, you know, we, when we went in 1998, we went to Deborah Dustin um, went to one of her Generation Next webinars in Florida. And her seminar was called uh, something like Dental Hygiene, a Business, business Within a Business. <laughs> that was the first time in 98. You know, that was a concept outside of what you ever were presented in hygiene school. You know, hygiene school, you really are taught how to clean teeth, how to do assessments, but then... Honestly, I think you still leave high school with a little bit of a limited scope, right? You don't touch into, you are a business in a business, right? You have a profitably marker that is there. You have clinical excellence benchmarks or national benchmarks that you should be accountable to on some level. Um, there's professional development and skills outside of what you presented in high school that you need to be um, tapping into. So for us, I feel like um, we were fortunate the DSO was on board with all that we were doing because I think the other offices, we were probably 30 offices at that time in our DSO, and certainly no other hygiene departments were tracking that, mm-hmm. um, but we were, and they were very open to the data. So we were able to share it. Maybe about a year of us sharing that, our CEO called Christine and I in and said, you guys are amazing, you're passionate. You know, you the numbers for me are really a lot about um are we serving our patients well? Are we serving the patient enterprise from a hygiene perspective? Are they getting the care they need? Are we identifying risk factors? Are we mitigating risk factors well? To me, that is the story that numbers tell. 
You know, that we're of how many active patients, are we providing adequate chair time? Are we working our systems well? Are we building relationships, right? Mm -hmm. So we see that in attrition rates, we see that in reactivation, we see that in uh, reappointment levels. So for me, it tells me we're building relationships, we're building trust, Mm -hmm. Um, we're identifying risk factors, we're mitigating risk factors. So for me, those numbers tell me that we're doing our job, right? We're building relationships Mm -hmm. and we're creating health and elevating patient outcomes. So if, if there's a hygienist listening to this that's never done anything like this before and perhaps, you know, doesn't quite know where to begin, Mm-hmm. And he or she would like to track some of their own chair time and use use of different types of treatments or protocols or technologies. Like, what would you say are the top three most important things that someone could track on their own yeah. or should track on their own? Yeah, I think probably the top ones. Um, and you're right, and that's that is a. Uh, a big boatload of numbers for a lot of people to digest. And not everyone yeah. likes numbers and data right. analytics. Um, for our DSO Hodge Excellence Program, we narrowed down six KPIs that are clinical excellence and six KPIs that are business excellence. So I think for me, it's kind What's, of like- What do you mean? What is a PPI point? A K, per... a KPI. KPI. K, KPI. So a key performance okay. indicator. So you, know, you might look at like your periodontal percentage. So you know, like your percentage should be 30%. So if you're identifying periodontal disease in your practice- at least to a national benchmark of 30%. So you can look at, you know, I think most people know how to calculate probably a periodontal percentage, um, but you can look at how many adult profiles you have versus how many SRPs and periodontal maintenance that you're having. And that mix of your SRPs, the periodontal maintenance should be at least 30% of your adult profi right? So easy math. If you have a hundred adult profiles in a month, you should have 30 um, SRP and periodontal maintenance appointments. So that's a national benchmark. Um, right. So if you calculate that number and your number is at 6%, <laughs> it tells you a story. Again, you shouldn't look at it as punitive, right. but it should tell you a story that against national benchmarks, maybe you can go next level and how you're identifying periodontal disease in your practice for your patients. Got it. And elevate health outcomes. Right. Okay. right? So that's one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a solid. Um, I think the adult fluoride is another one. Um, we do fluoride varnish in our office. And I think that national benchmark is 60%. That 60% of your patients should be getting adult fluoride of adults, right? And this is right. things like your patient comes in and says, oh, I'm having cold sensitivity, right? Mm-hmm. Or your patient that you put eight decay watches on. <laughs> right. right. Or right. somebody who has a ton of crown and bridge. Right. Or receptions are exposed. Right. You know, like. Right. right. You do your periodontal retarding and they have 20 points of recession. Uh, these are people right. that are showing risk factors for decay, root sensitivity, decay, and should you should be mitigating that risk, right? So you should be putting right. adult fluoride in place for them. I think the risk is pretty solid if they're getting an adult fluoride varnish twice a year in your office and doing a fluoride monitor at home, but have 87% less decay and less sensitivity. That was a double blind five year controlled study that was done a few years ago. So are you assessing your adult patients for recession, for sensitivity, for decay? And I tell patients like, look at our doctor's schedule. It's not full of kids. <laughs> if you look at who's right. being decayed in your practice, it's adults. Right. The kids are all getting the fluoride. Right. <laughs> They're reducing their risk for decay by 87%. That's a pretty solid thing to look at. If you have a doctor's a general practice who their schedule is all kids, I'd be shocked. 
who's getting decayed right. is adults. Right? How many of us are recommending adults to or fluoride to your adult patients? We hesitate because I covered by insurance once you're past 18. So it's a difficult conversation for some people to have, um, yeah. which I totally understand. But again, understanding that it is a risk they present with. And it is a risk that you need to be mitigating. It's your responsibility to diagnose that risk, educate your patient, and then offer the mitigation to re- elevate patient outcomes. And that should be something that you become, get yourself comfortable doing. And if that you calculate your adult fluoride in a month, you're not at 60% of your patients getting adult fluoride, then you are wavering off of a national benchmark. So again, what's, just what's the, the cost of adult fluoride in the United States? I'm in Canada, so things are a little different okay. here. Yeah, right. it's like 35 right. to 45. 40, yeah. Yeah. Oh. This is a dinner at Chili's. You know, this is not, this okay. is not, yeah. and to reduce your risk by 87% for decay and sensitivity, it's really a no brainer. Right. Yeah. You don't yeah. think yeah. twice about going to dinner at Chili's, you know? But how many times, too, like, if, okay, so this is what I do. When I talk to my patients about fluoride, for example, mm-hmm. I'll tell them, you know, problem, consequence, solution. So I'm right. concerned about these areas. If mm-hmm. we don't address them with some type of a preventive therapy, we know that the risk is you know, here. So this is the solution. I'd like to place a vitamin rich layer onto the root surfaces to help strengthen that root surface. There's a high substantivity. This, these minerals are going to embed into your tooth structure. And it's, a, you know, this is a full mouth therapy that's done to protect you. And by the time I get through the whole thing and I say, you know, it's, it's highly likely your insurance may not cover it. And the patient asks, well, how much is it? And I don't know if you guys get to this point, but then they go, how much is it? And I'll say, oh, it's like $40. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, then just do it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. How, how long yeah, does it take? How long does it take? It takes yeah. 30 seconds. Right. It takes 30 seconds to do it. it. Yeah. Like $40 <laughs> so per I tooth. Need to make it a kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing is I think we in our heads automatically assume that the patient is like, I'm mm-hmm. here for my free clean. That's all I'm going to do. And yeah. then when you start talking to them about the benefits of this therapy, and yeah. then you tell them it's $40, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, it's like when you get right. your toes yeah. done, you know, and you're like, can you do a design? You know, it's like an extra couple bucks. It doesn't matter. Can I get the crystal on my big toe? Yes, that's, I want the crystal. Right. Can you do a flower, like I want a little flower, flower, right. flower right. pretty flower. Every six weeks. And every that's six right. weeks. I, you know what I think? It's it. It is like a couple of you know frappuccinos at Starbucks, honestly. Yeah. And and that's the we, thing that I think. Yeah. Exactly. One, one thing that I should say that I've experienced in my now 14 years of practice is that the Irene of today was not the same Irene of 14 years ago when I first graduated, and the reasons that I now don't hesitate to recommend Arrestin or fluoride or laser or various therapies that are adjunctive into my periotherapy is because I've learned a lot about them. So if you're listening to this and you're a few years out of school and you haven't had an opportunity to learn about all of these things, um, it will make you more confident when speaking to your patients about it if you know the science, because there are different types of fluorides that are out there and every company has its own unique how do I even say it? Like their own unique patented little technology built into their yeah. fluorides. Mm-hmm. Like one company will have, I don't know, a negative ion and a positive ion that are isolated by some magical ingredient that are only activated by saliva. And certain fluorides are placed per tooth from gingival margin to incisal and other ones are swept from the distal to the mesial. And there's reasons for all of those. So I think the important thing is to pull apart what's on your shelves and then hit up 
YouTube and hit mm-hmm. up Google and mm-hmm. ask Google or YouTube, like what is inside this magical little container that costs $43 in the U S or $35 or $28 here in Canada? Like what is so special about this specific product that we have in our office mm-hmm. and why is my patient going to benefit? And then, mm-hmm. you know, there's, social media is a blessing in disguise right now because you can see people placing things and doing restorations that you may not have had the opportunity to do yet. So if you become, yeah, if you become familiar with the technology itself, then it's easier for you to say, you know, this specific product has whatever calcium biphosphate that's isolated in some form of magical unicorn dust that prevents <laughs> that's my your, favorite your carries. I like that one right mm-hmm. that's my favorite yeah, fluoride one I too. The most. It's, it's the unicorn <laughs> dust one and then there's the other one that's like small little mice that have put it together and they are like also building a dress for Cinderella like that's <laughs> that's to know the, the different know. the different types of products because they're off it's just like scalers scalers yeah. and your ultrasonic inserts are all different they're all perhaps made by one company, but they all um, do different things. So the more you learn about them, yeah. the, the more familiar you are. And I look at the four of us and like combined, we probably have over a hundred years of dentistry. <laughs> Right. Um, and yeah. and in in that yeah and in that time we've we've been able to learn about each individual product and I'm sure we all stock certain things in our practices yeah. that we like that we know how they work we have built mm-hmm. predictability with the outcomes and I think that's the important thing is try things to be able to build that predictability yeah mm-hmm. sure if I could unpack that further I would definitely say don't feel siloed and definitely um, champion exploration like you know be okay not knowing and be okay to ask like I think your product reps are a huge untapped resource you know they do know the science behind it they know their product and your doctor may not bring them in but don't wait for that so now with COVID there's not events to go to you're not going to go to a seminar you really aren't going to get some of that product level science um through a zoom or webcast unfortunately in the effort in your office if you find that your fluoride you know, percentage is not at a benchmark of 60% against that national average. Look up some fluorides that are offered in your area, you know, whether in Canada or somewhere in the United States and call some reps. They're more than happy to come in, do a lunch and learn, but don't wait for your doctor to bring them in. Again, you know, invest in yourself, invest in your office, invest in your patients, reach out, don't feel siloed to have to look at all by yourself. The reps are more than happy to come in, bring a lunch, probably for your whole office, but you're yeah. a leader then in your practice, right? You're yeah. leading your practice, champion that information and education for your whole team. For your doctor, right. I would have done it on his own. <laughs> so he has buy-in when you, when he comes in and you say, we talked about a little fluoride, he'll, he'll give his, you know, synopsis of that lunch and learn as well. So you have great collaboration then and you've elevated his game too or for game mm-hmm. two, which is cool. Right. What so, is DSO excellence? Give right. us like your, well, ele- your elevator pitch. <laughs> uh, it's DSO hygiene excellence. And the purpose is we wanted to elevate the hygienist in the DSO. What we did in our own DSO, we recognized there was a national need for all hygienists working in DSOs to be able to collaborate, share best practices, share some standards of excellence of what is excellence in the DSO space. Like what are what are things you should be um, striving for and creating in your practices and your DSOs. And as co-producers and as co-leaders, and you have an opportunity and honestly responsibility to help co-lead that space from the hygiene 
perspective. How I've had this question asked frequently, and how do you feel about hygienists being paid on a percentage basis of production versus mm-hmm. hourly? My the conversation at the end of the day goes to it has to be a win win win, right? No one can feel like they're losing in that equation. So a lot of what I think it has still down to is base pay plus commission. So I think your hygienist needs to feel like if we have to go on vacation, if we're having a bad week, if there's something like COVID going on, they're not going to be going home with no pay and can't pay their bills, right? Yeah. How, if you were to apply for a job, what would you ask for? You, yourselves, what yeah, would you I, ask for going in, knowing what you I, know? Mm-hmm. I think still the base pay, right? Because that's some stability and security. But then I think the percentage um, outside of your base pay is fair. I think there's a, a so value. Like what does that mean? How much base pay? What's fair? So literally, I think that in the United States here anyways, I think the national average is 30%. So easy math. Let's say you're producing $100,000 a year as a hygienist. You should be getting paid 30% of that. So you should be on a $30,000 a year annual pay. That's kind of base, right? Um, and then I think to incentivizing people that um, are performing at a level higher than that makes sense. So, and that, that construct is a little bit different um, in conversations, but let's say you produced $110,000 a year, right? So you had $10,000 that was above your 3% base that you were always getting. Um, How do you in your practice share that 10%? You know, do you get 30% of that? that, How do you share $10,000? Do you get 30% of it? Do you get 20% of it? I think it's somewhere in that range seems fair. Um, because there's obviously cost and they hold liabilities and other kind of things. But I think to give producers the option to be incentivized and to be rewarded for going above and beyond makes sense to me. So I, I have, I have a concern about that because <clears throat> this is, I love don't. It. let's debate. This is, I love it. Great. I'm going to take the provocative. Pull your socks up ladies. We're going to go. advocate. <laughs> buckle up, buckle up. Double no, this Prada. Is, this, that's right. <laughs> this is how I feel about it. That's all. No, I'm kidding. Um, this is how I feel about it. You know, in dentistry, we are working tirelessly to move the needle in having people look at the work that we do as essential. We are not Mm -hmm. non-essential. A a prophylaxis, 4346, SRP, full mouth, like whatever you want to call it. I'm just going to call it a debridement, like me taking an instrument, inserting it into an area, removing calculus that causes inflammation that for all arguments purposes, we can say that inflammation elevates systemic inflammatory conditions. So the work that we do is therapeutic from an inflammatory Mm -hmm. standpoint. When we prescribe fluoride, I don't recommend it. I prescribe it. I have a license. I prescribe (laughs) fluoride to my patient. I do that not because I'm the Oprah of fluoride. You get a fluoride, you get a fluoride, you get, look under your chairs. There's a fluoride. (laughs) I prescribe fluoride based on the patient's risk. When patients need radiographs, I prescribe that based on the patient's risk. Mm -hmm. We've been working tirelessly in dentistry to move the needle to a place where we want to kick up a seat at that chair with medicine and say, take us seriously. We, you know, we are, are, you know, physicians of the head and neck. We are inflammatory specialists. We are preventive specialists and all these things that we're trying to say, but yet we want extra money if we're doing SRPs because we're producing more. 
So here's the, hold on, Irene. I know I love you so much. I know I love you. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I'm just going to put you under my thumb for just a moment. I'm coming for you. (laughs) Yeah, I know she's coming for me. And the reason why I say that is this, the, the national benchmark is established based on the prevalence of disease as we know it. And even if you say that the national benchmark right now is 30%, we know that the national prevalence of disease is about 47%. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay. So we're even lowering the benchmark, just trying from like the healthy people, 2030 initiatives from the department of health and human services, like mm-hmm. please dentistry, like we have to start elevating what we do. You have to start having those conversations. Patient comes in and they had a stroke three months ago and you've been seeing Uh them every six months on a profi. Like maybe, maybe your patients are getting sicker and you doing the same thing isn't helping them. I I struggle with incentivizing hygienists from a bonus structure standpoint to do the therapy while we are trying. I mean, a, a nurse in an ER doesn't get more money if she decides to do an appendectomy today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like at what point are we creating this perpetual challenge where dentistry, and I, I'm asking, I'm simply right. asking, you know, I, I mean, uh, my well, question me is a, how do we, how do we draw the line in the sand between elective mm-hmm. veneers? Yes. That I think when you're closing an optional veneer case, maybe, I don't know, but when somebody has infection, like your responsibility is to talk to that patient and tell them not, oh, I, I better close this because I want to be incentivized. I, I want to make bonus this month. Do you know yeah, what I mean? For, and for me, I guess it's a little bit less about bonuses, about being, yeah. as being on commission. So I guess that was a conversation where like, I believe in a base pay yeah. and I believe in a commission option. And I think that is fair. So I think um, you know, and honestly, why I say that is because I've now talked to enough hygienists that tell me like, oh, my doctor wants to do all this stuff, but I don't have to be paid anymore to do all that stuff. Like all that is a lot mm-hmm. of extra stuff in my day. And I can just still talk about my cat and make the same dollarly amount of, you know, I can still make 20 bucks an hour if I talk about my cat or if I go through all this extra work and run over and go into all these details. And not that I think that should be the driver because it shouldn't. But I, I, I think there are some people that go like, I'm going to do all the extra, all the extra stuff. And like, I don't mean to sound, it may sound bad, like what's in it for me, because you're right. Driving health should be what's in it for you. But I think for anybody, if you're the lawn care guy and you're cutting the grass, or the lawn care guy that's going to cut the grass and edge and trim and, you know, scrape of all the clippings and you have differed yourself as somebody who is excellent in your field, you know, not that that's the why, but I think you like to see the compensation there. Right. Right. So I don't know that bonuses were, I don't know that bonuses where that should go, but to be on commission, because I think that's the way that a lot of DSOs are moving towards is a base plus commission. Um, I'm not opposed to that model. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not opposed to this and I prefer it because I was that human working in a practice with eight other hygienists mm-hmm. and I was that human recommending all of these other things mm-hmm. and Margaret in the room next right. to me who had right. been there for 25 years was right. seeing patients every three months because she was chasing her tail. She had a profijet in her op that she never used. She only used mm-hmm. the Cavitron part of it because she didn't understand the concept and she had, we had in our office all of the technologies available to us but 
she just never took it upon herself to implement in them because she was there for a long time. She was playing a, a getting paid a healthy base salary mm-hmm. or hourly rate or whatever she was right. getting paid mm-hmm. right. after 25 years. And there was no incentive. It was mm-hmm. the patients that I have been seeing for the last 25 years that now know me and I know them. And if I bring something else up to them, it's going to be an awkward conversation. And I, I, understand that when I go to a lecture or I go to a course and I learn something new, I can then share that with my patient. And when my patient asks, how come you never told me this before? I can say that I just learned this and I don't know what I didn't know then, but I know it Mm -hmm. now. And I know that this is what we need to do because I Mm -hmm. have this new piece of information, but not every hygienist in the same practice. And I was the youngest that worked in a practice of eight. And I was always you know, the eye roll, cause I was the young one, the blonde one. I yeah. had the fun music in my room. I didn't listen to the classical music like all of the others did. Um, and I recommended a lot of different things, including four different types of whitening, not just one, not mm-hmm. two, but four different types of whitening to identify per person, not just like blanket statements. So I like the percentage because it allows you to be creative in your treatment planning and not you're not over diagnosing or over providing treatment. You're being able to selectively identify a la carte what that person needs to be healthy. And like you mentioned, Katrina, someone that has diabetes or someone that has cardiovascular disease is at a greater risk. We know that, especially in the United States and Canada. I mean, globally, 422 Mm -hmm. million people have diabetes. So that Mm -hmm. means that we need more adjunctive therapies during those appointments. And I'm not going to take the time out of my day if I'm a $45 per hour hygienist to go home and Google search 15 different types of treatments that I can bring into my office to offer my patients if I'm happy with my hourly rate. But you bet your butt if I'm offered 30% of something, I'm going to go home after hours and I'm going to try and find these things so that I can bring them in. And yeah, I'm going to be incentivized by two things, money which is everyone's love language in most cases, and patient health, which is the mm-hmm. standard of care. But mm-hmm. you get the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. So I, I love the percentage. I love the base plus percentage because mm-hmm. it allows us to be to present to our offices, our docs, whoever's ordering our stuff that, hey, yeah, this is expensive, but it's going to make my patient A, more comfortable and B, healthier. Some people don't think of this as a career. They think of this as a job. They clock in, they clock out. Clock that's, out. And mm-hmm. we don't feel that way. Like mm-hmm. we want to empower hygienists. This is a career. This You're a leader. You mm-hmm. are a team member. You are part of a, you know, a part of the whole. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we really, that's really a mindset we need to change. Mm-hmm. You know, in creating this national organization, really to create a national platform. And it's really mm-hmm. a table of excellence. So we're creating a platform to bring everybody who is excellent to the table. Um, this is not about competition. This is the name of abundance. If you're working in this space and you are embodying any of these five pillars, we want to elevate you. We want to bring you into the conversation. We want to expose what you're doing to the nation. This is in abundance. This is in complete collaboration. That's how we are strongest and how we'll have best outcomes, right? So we looked into leadership and we said, well, who's, who's doing it the best? Like who is, who, you know, 
who is preaching the best leadership and dentistry to hygienists, to dentists. And we've well, recruited- that obviously would be Katrina. That would be Katrina, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Katrina, Katrina, you know what's is- funny about your comment is that Katrina fit into almost every single one of our pillars as yes. a leader in that pillar. Yeah. <laughs> Katrina knows. She's laughing hey. because we said like- Katrina knows. We're like, we contacted her. We're like, okay, we want you. You're obviously a dental industry leader. Um, and we're trying to figure out which space you're the best in. And you can speak to like all of three, them. The answer is all of them. Five of these. Right. She's the best so of all of them. We're, we, yes. we let her pick. I'm like, which guys. ones do you want to speak to? Sure <laughs> you know it's true. We're like, which yeah, ones I'm do you saying... want to speak into? <laughs> but we have two or three leaders in every single one of those pillars. So we've asked them to create, you know, 10 to 20 minutes of curriculum content. Um as really like to explain this is leadership or this is dental medical synergy and this is clinical excellence and to bring your wealth of knowledge because most the people we recruited have been doing this what they do for 10 20 years so they've all agreed they're on board with the concept they love what we're doing they want the elevation of hygienists in the space um and so videos are amazing oh my gosh yeah. we're blown away amazing. i mean again i i watched on the date i had goosebumps and i was inspired yeah. like i wrote down things and i actually emailed my ceo was like i want to share this with you because i had goosebumps and i'm inspired to be a different hygienist today than i was yesterday just for watching this video i do want to add though that we are going to be um in rdh magazine in january and we're going to do a four-part series with them cool oh. All right, Sarah and Christine, we are called the Tooth or Dare podcast for a reason. I'm not sure if Irene told you. This is what Irene does. She throws me under the bus. I'm not sure if Katrina has told you, so I'm going to throw Irene under the bus. I'm not sure if Irene has told you, but we are called the Tooth or Dare podcast for a reason. In the following minutes, Irene and I are going to do a visually impaired version of Rock, Paper, Scissors. The loser will go up against you in a process (laughs) where you will get to decide if you would like to dish out or accept a tooth or a dare. If you decide to do a tooth... It is answered right here and now in the moment. If you choose to do a dia, you will put that up on social media within seven days of the issuance of this processed podcast. Awesome. Right. In the interim, please, friends, family, and folks, follow Irene on Instagram at toothlife.irene. You can follow Katrina at the Dental Wine Genist. Where can we find you, Sarah and Christine? Uh, you can find us at dsohygieneexcellence.com. We also have DSO Hygiene Excellence Facebook page. We're on Instagram and uh, LinkedIn. Awesome. So good. Awesome possum. I love that. All right. So without further ado, do Irene, Irene, here we go. Ready? Wait, no. Someone's got to count us in because you cheat. This is new. Why are we doing this? Irene will count. Because Irene says I cheat. Who's going to count? Who's going to count? Johnny. Sarah, Christine. Ready? Okay, okay go. One, two, three. I did it okay. again. I beat you. I beat you. But I really I cheated you. on that. Okay. Did not. I did what she said. She said one, two, right. and three. And then I sh- and then I shot my shot. I shot my shot, Katrina. I love that for you, Irene. That's all I ever want for you. Shot my shot and I got it in. You only get one shot. All right. Would you like to accept or dish out a tooth or a dare to me, not Irene? Oh, all right. Let's do dare. Oh, you guys, are you going to, are you going to, would you like to accept or would you like to dish? We'll accept. Yep. 
Katrina, all you girlfriend. Here's what I want to see. I want to see on social media, the two of you in the operatory doing a choreographed dance to the song. I can't feel my face when I'm with you. (laughs) I I love it. Another big I love it. Oh, we love it. that song. We actually love we that love song. It's going to be so good. All right. I can't so, wait. Good. so awesome. Well, thank you so much to the wonderful ladies of DSO Hygiene Excellence, Sarah Varney and Christine Deal. From all of us here at the Fantastic Tooth or Dare podcast, we say thank you so much for your time this evening. You can find both Irene and I on Instagram at toothordare.podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. Be safe and be well. Peace out, peeps. And we're back from the flip side. (laughs) Wasn't that an amazing episode? Hey, y'all, we're back on the flippity flip, (laughs) listening to our peeps. I like this. So excellence. I like this like backwards thing where sometimes I'm in control and you just have to be the, the wonky I'm the submissive. Kid. You're in control. No, <laughs> no. I <laughs> mean, just do what, to, do what you're told. Okay. I'm no, you, that's what I'm saying. See, I'm the one that just does what I'm supposed to be told. I'm just like the dorky one in the background and you're the one that like knows what's actually going on most of the time. So it's kind of nice to be the one that like knows what's going on. Yeah. Isn't it feel good? Uh, it kind of does, but it's also <laughs> horrifying because I feel like I'm going to screw something up or say something wrong. No. Like you don't want to see my pit stains right now. No such thing. I'm so no nervous. Such thing. No such thing. Well, well, we had a really long intro, so we can cut the outro short. Good. So thanks so, again, peeps, thank for you. tuning in to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast. And please send us a DM if you need any suggestions on what aerosol generating procedures you should be doing. And if you don't have the right equipment, we can help you out. I mean, we got yeah, we got some hookups from our peeps at DS. So perhaps we can we can put put you into the right person's hands. Absolutely. And we want to be able to do that. Also check out on our Instagram um, within seven days, their dare is going up, which I'm super stoked about. Um, It's going to be them dancing around in the app, which I'm stoked about. So check that out. It's going to be amazing. Um, And yes, I think it's going to be, it's, this is just terrific. Irene, I hope that you have an amazing week of aerosol generating procedures. You just keep rocking it, sis. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thanks, friend. You know that. You know, you're one of my favorite humans. I am? Mm-hmm. Tell me more. I want to know more. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Okay. Um, have a nice day, everyone. Peace out, peeps. Cheers. Is it? But I, I, can, I go, can I go? Is it my, Oh, yeah. yeah go I mean, ahead. <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. I, I, I. <laughs> Call your mom, call your dad, bring your dog, get a glass of wine, but, but that's the get your husband, abundance. bring your children, bring your yeah. friend, call and your mom and, again. Actually, Irene, do you remember last year at ADHA what we promised each other? Uh-oh. No. We promised that each I would other. shave your eyebrows. You're not shaving my eyebrows. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, so many bloopers. Okay, so... (laughs)